Welcome to Watershed's December podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove, Cinema Curator at Watershed. And this month, I'm going to be reading a, an essay that I wrote for Bristol Ideas. I, along with other uh, contributors um, from different parts of the film world locally in Bristol and further afield, um, were invited to contribute to Bristol Ideas publication, Opening Up the Magic Box, Freeze Green and Reflections on Film, which was part of a year-long look at film, uh, hashtag film 2021, uh, and its role within, within uh, cities, um, its historical role and contemporary role. And we were all invited to reflect on the role that cinema has had on our uh, lives. Um, and I, it made me start thinking about how I kind of got into this the position that I'm in. Uh, and so I wrote an essay, um, A Life Cinematic, The Early Years. So I, this, this podcast, Indulge Me, will be um, the, the reading the essay. Think of it as a cinema Christmas carol. So A Life Cinematic, The Early Years. This 2021 COVID-19 moment has prompted a lot of thinking about the cinema or perhaps more keenly, that 50-year-old question of the death of cinema, which somehow feels all too real with my own cinema, like everywhere else, closed for months on end. The death of cinema has been much predicted ever since television took grip in the 1950s. The graph of UK cinema attendance since then is a slalom slope of decline until the mid-1980s and the arrival of the multiplex where admissions seem to have levelled out at around 170 million visits per year. Sounds a lot until you compare it to the height of 1,225 million in the late 1940s. This pandemic year, however, has brought into stark relief the fragile assumption of the preeminence of the cinematic. As we consume more and more films online, on multiple screens, on the move, Will we finally lose the habit of going to the cinema, that place which for people like myself became the definition of how to experience a film? I've spent most of my professional life in or around the cinema, and before that, most of my growing up in and around films. What follows are some personal and professional reflections on a life cinematic. My earliest cinema memories are of the George, High Street Cinema in Barhead on the outskirts of Glasgow. Most vivid is that of the luminescent grandfather-style clock on the left of the screen by which you could keep track of the real world's time. Also, and this is very cinema paradiso, that of me and my friends rushing upstairs for front row seats on the balcony where we could drop the occasional Malteser, or if we were really intent on some serious damage, a mint imperial. More often than not, it would hit the floor and you'd hear it run down to the front of the stalls. This was during the quieter matinee slots. Sometimes it would hit a target and you would hear exclaimed, you little buggers, I'm going to come up there and scale you. Ironically, it was the very growth of television which opened up my cinematic horizons. I grew up in a new build council estate 
on the fringes of Glasgow in the 1960s, as captured so dreamily in Lynn Ramsey's Rat Catcher. Jimmy Cagney, Humphrey Bogart, and John Wayne were my holy trinity. Being from a Catholic background, albeit less than half-hearted, the febrile aura of religion was never far away in a Glasgow neighbourhood. The overlaps between religion and film first met when at the age of 10, I did the entrance exam to attend the prestigious city centre St Aloysius School. The question was something along the lines of, which person do you most admire and why? From a 40 plus year distance, I now see this as a leading question. Which of Christ and the apostles should you pick? I plunged in about my admiration for Jimmy Cagney, particularly in his gangster roles. Even though I got the initials right, and must have referenced Cagney's emotional act of salvation at the end of Angels with Dirty Faces, I didn't pass the exam. Film horizons were further widened with the discovery of a film society in the West End of Glasgow run by the Scottish Film Council. Amongst the films I attended, it is George Papp's camera shaft and the feeling of claustrophobia of the mines and the miners that sticks out, along with Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. At the time, the late 70s, it was de rigueur for adolescents to wear army navy surplus gear. I walked out of Taxi Driver into the wet, mean streets of Glasgow, well, not so mean in the West End, pulled up my khaki army plus collar and wondered if I might be God's only man, or was it lonely? By this time, I was at Glasgow University, ostensibly to study English, but realising I could also study a new subject, film and television. I was beginning to meet my tribe, Bob, Graham, Sally, et al. Graham in particular took film obsession to a whole new level. In those days, the course's select titles arrived on film, mainly 16mm. Graham could project, so we arranged to have our screening of Polanski's Chinatown. We turned up at the allotted time, but no Graham. We heard a noise coming from the cupboard, opened the door, and there was Graham holding the 16mm running projector. Chinatown, in all its cinemascope splendour, being projected onto the cupboard wall in dimensions of inches. I've worked out how he did it, exclaimed Graham. What, we replied, the nose slicing. And so we all watched as frame by frame, the tip of Polanski's flick knife sprung open to squirt fake blood over Jack Nicholson's nose. It was as if the Dead Sea Scrolls had offered up their mysteries. Glasgow did not have a full degree in film at the time, the early 1980s. There was only a handful of degree courses in the subject. Film was just beginning to flex its intellectual muscles as a serious subject of study. I transferred to one of them at Bulmers College in Reading, where I was taught by Doug Pine, Jim Hillier, from the movie School of Film Theory, and Laura Mulvey, the then rising star of psychoanalytical and feminist film theory. My film education was deepening, not just through the course, which included study of melodrama, American independent cinema, the European avant-garde, but through regular trips to the many rep cinemas in London. My new group of cinephiles included the now professor of film at Salford University, Andy Willis. He and I would take the bus up to London to go to the now legendary, but then insalubrious Scala Cinema in the equally seedy and intimidating neighbourhood of King's Cross to take in double bills of the likes of Vim Vendors, Fassbinder or Sam Fuller. 
There was a college film society which Andy and I found underwhelming in its mainstream selection of Porky's type films. We decided that we would infiltrate the committee. The screenings were on Sunday afternoons and having just watched Vendor's three hours long Kings of the Road at the Scala, we decided that it would be a perfect opener for our takeover season. We got the print in, I think it was 35 millimeter, and immediately put it on the Steenbeck preview machines to take photographs of the scene with the iconic line, the Americans have colonized our subconscious. Hey, we were students. And also to double check if that ablution scene was indeed a single take. So Rudiger Vogler really did take a dump at the side of the road. The thing about film societies is that members pay for the season of films up front. And on a college campus, you have a captive audience. So it was on that fateful Sunday that Kings of the Road played to 250 eager, fully paid up Bulmers College Film Society students. Some of them lasted the first hour. You have to remember that these were mainly Porky's reared PE teacher training students. What else could you expect when faced with a slow-paced, black-and-white, three-hour classic example of new German cinema? By the end of the screening, there were maybe eight, possibly six, including Andy and I, who heartedly applauded our and Vendor's achievement. I realise now, from this distance, that this was my first experience of programming a cinema, of introducing something new to an audience, of expectations being challenged, and audiences voting with their feet, but also how mesmerizing, beguiling, and brave was Vendor's exploration of his generation of post-war Germans, and how cinema, a particular kind of cinema, was going to be central to exploring, presenting, and shaping their identity. What I've learned from these formative experiences and since is that there is something unique, ineffable, mysterious, entrancing, and indeed confrontational about the screening of a film in the cinema. And I'm quietly confident that cinema's post-pandemic future lies in the essential alchemy of the shared communal cinematic experience. So I look forward to seeing you in the cinema over December um, and the new year. There are many uh, great films coming up, so I shall see you in the cinema. That's all for this month.